It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Sunshine today, warming to the upper 50s. Clouds roll in tonight with a low of 43. We'll turn mostly cloudy on Thursday. Highs at 65 with a rain developing by the evening as remnants of Nicole head in. Lows at 58. Veterans Day Friday, rainy, heavy rain at times with a high of 67. Look for the rain to end late Friday night. 45 degrees in Lynchburg, 45 in Bedford, 41 in Roanoke and Salem, 47 in Danville, 44 in Amherst, and 43 in Appomattox. Well, we have Casey Anthony back in the news this morning, one of America's most infamous mothers, not in a good way, is breaking her silence on what she is claiming happened to her daughter, as well as her controversial 2011 murder trial and acquittal. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that that woman was acquitted. It's a brand new documentary series. It's going to be on Peacock. The three-part series, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies, will feature never-before-seen evidence from the defense team, as well as personal archives, footage, and on-camera interviews with Anthony. She was famously acquitted for the murder of her two-year-old, Kaylee in 2011. Since then, public opinion of Anthony has been largely shaped by, they say, a media convinced of her guilt. I would say that's a public convinced of her guilt. Normally, I would give credit to the media, but in this one, I I think the public in general took a look at that trial and thought she was guilty. Uh, Of course, Casey never gave an in-depth or on-camera interview explaining her actions. This will be the first time a filmmaker and journalist who is doing this documentary said that uh, their interest was getting closer to the unbiased truth by hearing all sides of the story. Fair enough. So they say they're going to be sharing views from opposing voices to Casey herself, which might be unlike the documentary interview that we did last week, which seemed to tilt one way uh, where I'm talking, of course, about the God forbid uh, interview that we did last week. A few cases since the acquittal of O.J. Simpsons have captured media coverage and the nation's attention like Anthony's did. However, it's uh, unclear if it's a story worth telling after the acquittal. I I probably am going to watch it just because I was so convinced yeah, I was of her guilt. Like I was young, but I remember watching the verdict get read. Like right. I don't obviously I wasn't alive for OJ, but like to me that's like the only comparison. Like OJ was acquitted, but I think in the court of public opinion, a lot of people believed he did it. Hence why And he also lost the civil suit. Yes. Hence why when he went to jail for trying to get his own stuff back, which is what he said. Right. A lot of people are like, eh, you sh- probably should have been in there anyway. Yeah, and for much longer. Yes. So I think it's this very similar case of, you know. Well, except he was so famous and this girl was like, oh, yeah. She was like nothing. Nobody had even heard of her. Um, she was indicted on one count of first degree murder, one count of aggravated child abuse, one count of aggravated manslaughter of a child, four counts of providing false information to the police, which I think that was my thing. If you're innocent, why on earth would you be lying to the police and why wouldn't you do anything to get your child 
home. Six-week-long trial began and resulted in the acquittal of murder and manslaughter charges. She was found guilty of all four counts of false information provided to the police. So I I probably am going to watch it to see, because uh, I don't understand how they got to that place of acquitting her. I just don't understand how that could be. So I, I probably will watch it. Uh, but it is coming to Peacock. If you are a true crime buff like I am, you might want to check it out. I started a new podcast yesterday called Murder and Magnolias from Dateline. Mm. Oh, that's good. That good seems stuff. like that seems like something you could voice. I could hear your voice because <laughs> you know your 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 southern twang comes out ever bits. ever so lightly. And so I think anytime, it, you know, what is it called again? Murder and Magnolias. There you go. Murder and, Mag- and magnolias. I, I could hear it. Well, if you head out this morning, you chances are saw a deer either crossing your path or perhaps on the side of your path. The Virginia Department of Wildlife has put out some information on how to avoid hitting a deer in the road. Deer are really on the move. They've definitely, this is when uh, they really start moving a lot right now. We had, it was utter chaos out at our place last night. Uh, people hunting, looking for deer. The dogs worked up. It was pretty crazy. Uh, they are going to be on the, the move the next few months, according to the Virginia Department of Wildlife. This means your chances of hitting a deer while driving are going to be higher. Not only is fall the breeding season for deer, but with the time change, more drivers are going to be on the roads after dark. The Department of Wildlife recommends doing the following in order to avoid hitting a deer while driving. First and foremost, slow down and pay attention while you drive, especially if you're on the road at night. If you see the deer crossing signs, absolutely use caution. When a deer crosses in front of you, push the brakes and stop if you need to, but do not swerve out of the lane. Always wear a seatbelt. In the event that you do hit a deer, immediately report the incident to a conservation police officer or other law enforcement officer in the county or city where it happened. They say if you do hit and kill a deer or a bear, you can even keep it for your own use if you report it to law enforcement where the crash happened and the officer sees the animal, then gives you a possession certificate to do so. That I did not know. So you can take roadkill. I hate to see, well, that's not exactly. Yeah, look, my, my daughter killed so many deer, we renamed her car the Deer Slayer. <laughs> I mean, it was, her Jetta was knocking them out. She took out three in one year. So you're saying her Jetta would have been perfect for like the Walking Dead or something? It was, we called her, we called it the Deer Slayer. Yeah, it's always, I I think you were going to say the uh, deer on the side of the road. Like that, that always freaks me out. Like I saw somebody cutting off the antlers on one on the side of 29. Hey man, look at this deer on the side of the road and cut his antlers off. I don't know that he talked like that, but he was getting those antlers off. For sure. Do you know how much those are those cost? I if know. You buy them for your animals. Ray Lewis won a Super Bowl because of deer antlers. So, okay. Did you ever hear the um, the radio show about the woman who wanted the deer crossing sign moved? Have you ever Have you ever heard that? I have not. All right. Well, just just to lighten things up this morning, um, I, I think maybe we should listen to it. Oh, Wednesday funny. This is this is a 
radio caller. Her name was Donna. If you've never heard this, it is, it's one of the funniest things. I thought it was made up. At first, it was much like the Tom Sullivan thing where everybody thought Salty wasn't real. Um, but listen, listen to this call. And this woman was very confused about the deer crossing signs. Now, Donna, you got quite the vent today. It sounds like what's going on with you. Well, I wanted to voice my opinion on something that's been bothering me for a really long time. Okay. Um, I, I tried writing the newspaper and contacting uh, TV stations, but nobody seems to want to stay with this. So that's why I'm calling you guys. Okay, what's, the, um, what's the issue? Well, <clears throat> over the past few years... I've been involved in three separate car accidents involving deer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the population and everything. Um, each of these incidents, they've occurred shortly after I saw a deer crossing sign on the highway. Well, my frustration is that Minnesota and North Dakota Department of Transportation would allow these deer crossings to be in such high traffic areas. I mean... I've even seen them on the interstate. Why are we mm-hmm. encouraging deer to cross at the interstate? I don't get it. That's such a high traffic area. I mean, you you know, I understand that deer are wild animals and they need to travel across the streets occasionally to survive and, you know, of course, to find food. But um, it seems to me that so irresponsible of us to allow these deer crossings to be in areas where these deer are so likely to be struck by oncoming traffic. I mean, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> they think they're um, being punked. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, you think they would put deer crossings maybe, you know, in, you know, smaller towns, maybe during a, like at a, at a school crossing. Yeah. That's, it would be a safer place for them to, to cross. Wait. You know, put the deer crossing sign. You know, deer crossings aren't telling deer that it's safe to cross there. It's just more of like an alert for drivers so they know it's like a high deer population. The government put the deer crossings there. They can direct the deer population anywhere they want to by moving that deer crossing sign. <laughs> I'm telling you, this falls under the stuff you cannot make up. I love it. So just watch for the deer crossing sign and know that the deer can't really read the sign. You know what they really need then? A deer crosswalk. A deer crosswalk, (laughs) yes. Little paws that Mm -hmm. go across it. I like it. We'll be back with Jim Crisula from CBS on the midterms. Thanks for listening this morning to The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam, 6 to 9 (laughs) a.m. To the morning jam. I'm Janet Rose. Good morning. We are in the midterm afterglow as we're trying to figure out how all the dust is settling across the country. We are uh, fortunate enough to have Jim Crisula with us this morning. Uh, He is in Georgia, is my understanding. How much sleep are you running on, my friend? (laughs) Uh, Janet, I'm too old for this. Four hours. (laughs) No, you're not. You love it. If you weren't doing it, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. So tell me a little bit about yeah, what your thoughts drinker. are. That doesn't help matters. I'm oh, sorry, you're Jenna, not? You're not a no, coffee I'm drinker? Not. Oh, my. No, I'm not. So. You're like a unicorn. I, I, <laughs> I how many people in your in- industry are, aren't coffee drinkers? Not many. 
No, I wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> Certainly a minority. Right. So tell us what your thoughts are. Um, uh, did the midterm turn out the way you, you thought it would? What were the surprises? What is the overall feeling in Georgia where you are? Well, at this point, this Georgia Senate race, this high-profile race between Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker is still a toss-up. That's how CBS News is characterizing it. Here in Georgia, because of a quirky state law, Janet, if a candidate running for statewide office does not get at least 50% of the vote, there needs to be a runoff. And it certainly looks at this point like that's what's going to happen here. The latest figures I've seen just checked a couple of minutes ago, 97% of the vote counted. And neither Warnock nor Walker at this point have 50% of the vote. Again, we we hope to have a little more clarity on this today, but it may be several days before, again, we know for certain that there will be a runoff election here. If that's the case, that would take place on December 6th. Okay. So I, I don't think that's a huge surprise for for folks. I think that's kind of about what we expected, even though yes. Herschel Walker said that wasn't going to be the case. That's right. And again, it was early this morning, I think about one forty-five, that Warnock finally came out and spoke. And he said, look, we knew all along, or I knew all along, he said that, you know, this was going to be a tight race, and it obviously is. Perhaps a bit of a surprise to me here in Georgia is how handily incumbent Republican Governor Brian Kemp defeated Stacey Abrams. Mm. It was a rematch, Janet, from 2018, right. when that was a much, much closer race. If you remember, uh, and I think I was here a week or so uh, after the election, here for a whole week, as that played out in the courts here. But again, Kemp won by about eight points yesterday. So I think there's some surprise here that Stacey Abrams didn't do better against Brian Kemp. Well, she made some pretty controversial comments. Um, she she really, she didn't stump very well, I don't think, this time. Uh, she she showed better the first time around, I think. That may very well be, be true, I think. But uh, again, I'll leave that up to the political pundits to analyze that. I'm sure <laughs> they will, you know, and, and look also at the county-by-county county breakdown here in Georgia. Right. Um, were there any other surprises for you uh, in the in the midterms as you look at the results as they're coming in? Still several races to be decided, obviously. But it, but again, I think the general feeling is that uh, there were predictions of this red tsunami as the term that was being used or a red wave. And I, I don't think we saw that yeah. Uh, yeah, again. But, it, but as I say, there's still a number of races to be decided. They're just too close at this point. So uh, certainly the Senate races in Arizona, Nevada, uh, Pennsylvania seems to have gone to the Democrats, which obviously is a key win for them. Um, I thought it was interesting. Five states yesterday, Janet, uh, voted on legalizing marijuana. Uh, Three Hmm. of them did approve that. So uh, a couple of them, I saw North Dakota was one that the, the voters rejected that, and I think Arkansas was the Islanders did approve uh, legalizing marijuana. Interesting. It, it's interesting as well to take a look at uh, the squad. Seems like they remain completely intact. 
uh, Acacia Cortez, uh, Ilian Omar, uh, Tlaib, they all seemed to win their races handedly yesterday, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes. One of the comments that uh, people are, are talking about this morning, at least in, in where we are, is the Trump factor in the midterms. Did Trump hurt more than he helped? Is that something that you're hearing where you are? Not so much here in Georgia. I, I haven't heard many people talk about that at the, the three or four days I've been here and, and out and about talking to people in several different places here, Metro Atlanta. I was in Savannah a couple of days ago in Macon. Uh, Georgia, which is a couple of hours south of here. Uh, but again, I, I think most of the focus obviously here has, has been, was on, and has been, and will be, it looks like going forward to a possible runoff, is the Senate race here, and of course also the gubernatorial race, which is settled. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how long before we finally get answers Uh, with some of those questions. I hope you're able to rest up, my friend. We appreciate you joining us here this morning. Yeah, good to be with you again. You as well. Take care. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, he's definitely going to need a nap later. (laughs) So will I. I'm sure he's worn out. Uh, J.D. Vance, who was endorsed by Trump, uh, some are saying he snubbed Trump in his victory speech. Senator-elect, uh, he's from Ohio, did not even mention former President Donald Trump in his victory speech uh, Tuesday night, despite receiving his endorsement. Vance is among a number of ho- high-profile Senate candidates in tight races who Trump did endorse, uh, but he's the only one to have secured a victory on Tuesday night. The others either lost or are in races just too close to call, as in Georgia and Wisconsin. Vance's victory speech saw him thanking dozens of people involved either directly in his campaign or assisting his win. Trump was not among them. I think that's really interesting. Vance's campaign did not immediately respond to a request uh, for comment about that. And there was even a rumor that Trump was going to make an announcement at the Ohio rally. Um, and then that that didn't happen. And, of course, a lot of conservatives, as I said earlier this morning, pointing a finger at Trump because of some underwhelming election results. I, I would listen to your gut on that one, folks, because 2024 is going to be a very important time, and we need to be paying attention to that, I think. Uh, we've got another caller we're going to go to. We're just a couple minutes away from our uh, our newscast here with uh, WDBJ7. Going to take a look at some things for us. Let's go to the phones now. Good morning. You're on the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Who's this? Good morning, Janet. It's Jill. Um, I, I am not surprised by this. I've always said it's, it's long. It's not been about the people, what the people think anymore. The people are basically inconsequential to the majority of, place, uh, of the people that are in power. So it wasn't a surprise, and I've always said, if you don't get the election security down, if you don't get this change or anything else, you're done. It doesn't matter how much the people think or what they think. That's not inconsequential. They got away with a lot of cheating, not just in the 2016. They've been doing this for a long time, right. but royally in that. So why should be surprised? And quite frankly, you have to put some of the responsibility in the Republican establishment because mm-hmm. they've had years to know this was going on, and with very rare few exceptions, they've done nothing to secure 
you know, it, and it's the states and things. They've done nothing to secure election integrity or very, very little, especially on the ground. They've always had on the ground different things. So it really doesn't, I had learned last time, it doesn't matter what proof you have, what is the truth, they get away with it. So we can basically kiss a lot of it goodbye. I will say for Trump, um, if it was between DeSantis and Trump, I would vote for DeSantis because Trump kind of gets in his own way, sadly. Mm-hmm. But at least he's willing to stand and take the risk and take the hit to be able to do something for the party, which is something the few of the establishment folk are willing to do. And, and so you've got the Republican establishment against these new Republicans coming in as well. Mm-hmm. They don't want that any more than you know, when you've got Liz, Liz Cheney and other people voting for the Democrats. You've seen exactly who they are and where their power. And it's a sad thing, but it is just along the road. I'm not a fatalist. I do believe in hope, but I think not only um, the government has spoken, I, I, I think things that are higher above us have spoken as well. And um, we kind of deserve it. You know, we haven't done, we've allowed it for a long time. We haven't stood up for for what's right. And a day late, dollar short, we still need to stand. But our focus shouldn't be about trying to get someone else. We don't, um, uh, there's a song that I love, it's a new song that came out, and it's it's called The Healer. So we don't need a hero. Mm -hmm. You know, men are frail. They're going to fall. We need the healer. You know, so um, get your focus right. Do the right thing. Stand up, vote, do whatever God calls you to do. But we need to be looking and, and, and where we are, how you're living. Take care of your kids, love in your family, help those, the things that, that, that Jesus called us to do. That should be our moment. We are dual, I'm a, I'm a dual, I have dual citizenship, and, and my primary one is in heaven. So I will be a good civil servant. I'll do what I need to do. But our rest and our success does not come with these birds, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals. In, <laughs> In, 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 in Washington. You know, we're going to have Weekend at Bernie for a long time at, at that place because people have paid really well for the Nancy Pelosi's and all the old people there. They're not going to give it up right. unless they have children and then it'll be inherited. And mm-hmm. that's what we're dealing with. So, yeah, that's what it looks guys. like. Jill, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, we'll be back with more as we head into our final half hour here on the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Sunshine today, warming to the upper 50s. Clouds roll in tonight with a low of 43. We'll turn mostly cloudy on Thursday. Highs at 65 with a rain developing by the evening as remnants of Nicole head in. Lows at 58. Veterans Day Friday, rainy, heavy rain at times with a high of 67. Look for the rain to end late Friday nights. And currently 48 degrees in Danville, 48 in Bedford, 47 in Lynchburg, 43 in Roanoke and Salem, 47 in Appomattox, and 47 in Amherst. Well, it was a big day in the Hill City, and the big winner was Stephanie Reed. We've got her on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Janet. How excited are you? Oh, girl, I am so excited. Overwhelmed, still kind of shocked, but... Right. Really, really excited. Yes. Well, it was uh, it was a, a long race, wasn't it? It was a long race and a lot of hard work. But, you know, we, we, just like we tell our kids, hard work pays off and we worked. And uh, I'm really proud of the work that my team did. We, you know, off the bat, starting in June, just 
got out in the city and started knocking doors and and just doing what it took. And I mean, we we did it right. And I'm so I'm so proud of the turnout. Well, the turnout was fantastic. You, uh, of course, were the the big winner. Uh, Larry Taylor also did very very well. Um, I think we're still kind of waiting on the final verdict with uh, Marty's results. Uh, although he did well uh, too, you had 19% of the vote. Larry Taylor won 18.14. Uh, Marty had 16.57. Uh, looks like right now they're just waiting uh, on uh, just a few more to come in to see uh, if Marty uh, is still edging out uh, Trené Tweedy. So we we shall see. Yes. We talked yes. with uh, Chris Peraldi earlier in the morning. He is super excited about having some more conservative report, uh, conservative support there on Lynchburg City Council. What is the, the first thing that you're going to want to tackle? Well, what I've been saying this whole time, uh, campaigning with public safety was the number one issue. And so I'm going to stay true to my word, and that will be the first thing y'all see me move on, is uh, having those meetings with our public safety officers and law enforcement officials and saying, okay, what do we need to do here? Because as you and I have talked about before, they've been neglected for years. We didn't come to this place, to this city, overnight. This is due to years of neglect, um, their needs being ignored financially, and also just not feeling supported by their community and the, and the leadership of the city. And uh, that's why we continue to see them leave. So we got to turn that over quickly and, and find out as we go into the new year addressing the budget issues, okay, you know, I'm listening. Tell me what y'all need, what you really think you, the professionals, need to help us aggressively attack this issue so that we can start seeing um, the, hopefully the crime rate improve because we can get more of our officers out on the street where they're needed. And this is what people, this is the the message that we've heard from Lynchburg listeners all morning long. You know, now what are we going to do about the violence that's going on uh, in Lynchburg? Are we going to start finally cracking down on some of the stuff, stop being so tolerant of some of the violence? Because that that seems to be the feeling of the, the general average citizen is that, that we've become tolerant of some of this behavior. I agree. Yes. And so those are conversations, like I said, I'm going to have immediately with um, with our chief Zudema, our sheriff and and other people in the community that have um, some good insight onto what's going on. And and again, try to figure out what the most aggressive strategy can be, because obviously we can't fix it overnight, but we need to have a plan. And and I'm sure they have ideas. But, you know, Janet, a lot of this is political. So Mm -hmm. now that we have new leadership on council, I'm hoping that we'll see some uh, new conversations being had about um, why we're in this position and what we can do to counter it. Well, and I think there's also some some insight we can gain from cities not too far from us. You know, uh, Danville has done some things that is, have been very effective in curbing. I mean, they were at one time considered one of the most dangerous cities in Virginia, and they've really made some great strides there. So perhaps there's things we can learn in that regard. Well, we know that you're going to hit the ground running. We just wanted to offer our congratulations to you and say well done, and uh, and we are here for you as you move forward and try to make some changes in the Hill City. Thank you so much, and thanks for your support, letting us come on and you know giving me a chance to kind of plead my case and, and talk about my platform issues. Like I said, we worked really hard. It was a, it was a team effort for sure. And I am so honored, and I can't wait to just start working for the city. Well, uh, it was our pleasure to get to know you. Thanks again for coming on this morning. Thanks. Y'all have a wonderful day. You too.
Um, I think it's, I think she's going to do a great job. Uh, we're excited to see how things are going to play out uh, in Lynchburg with this new, new change. So uh, there's been a story that's been in the, the headlines. We haven't talked about it much on the air, but I did see it yesterday. It's a Kentucky student. Uh, she's a pretty girl on the outside, not too pretty on the inside. Her name is Sophia Rosing. Uh, she is heading to rehab, which is a good thing. And she's withdrawing from school after a just ridiculous racist outburst that uh, she had. Um, it was all caught on tape as this young girl was clearly drunk approaching a woman, uh, a black woman, who I guess was at the front desk. She was supposed to show some ID. I think she was an RA is my guess. An RA, yeah. And, um, and she was being very kind to her, but the woman was clearly intoxicated and just saying just some horribly racist things and just said them over and over again she was she was just a drunk mess so now she's you know going into rehab and she's withdrawing from school and heaven knows what kind of damage she's done to her future at the age of 22 fellow students have been calling for her expulsion after the footage showing her intoxicated, struggling for balance, attempting not very well to hit a freshman dorm desk staffer was who it was while spewing racist slurs. Uh, Rosing also attempted to kick back another student as she attempted to help spring subdue the co-ed in a shocking clip making rounds online. She pleaded not guilty to public intoxication, assault, and disorderly conduct. Uh, I think she's going to lose Did you that. see that video? I did, and I yeah. know what she said on it and what she was doing, and it was... And she was clearly drunk and yeah. just looked stupid, and the, sloppy drunk. The person who she was attacking like made a video, too, and I think you could tell she didn't really want to talk about it, really didn't want to post it, but like kind of right. had to, considering the circumstances. Well, I think the, the one girl... Not the, not the. the it was a different video. She a, made a different video, oh. like after the fact. I think I'm not exactly sure. I've just seen. I've seen two clips. I thought she dealt with it with a lot of class. Oh, I mean, yeah. she didn't slur any names back. She was just looking at her like you she were just, a drunk, hot mess. She just had her by her arms and like yeah. was trying to just like, I guess, stop her from doing what she was trying to do. Right. Well, uh, the young woman certainly needs to be held accountable, and um, and it looks like she is being so here's one of the few incidents where it looks like it's pretty pretty cut and dry she clearly needs help but guys talk to your young people show them this video and let them know that drinking can bring out a whole lot of stupid with a whole lot of people and there's a young woman at the age of 22 who screwed her life up pretty good so there you go all right, we're going to have our um, Five and Dine coming up here in just a second. Now, it is National Louisiana Day, so we embrace that full throttle with today's recipe, and it is a good one as we're talking about crawfish this morning because that's the number one export coming out of Louisiana. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. 
Five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market. They are busy cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill in check. Special orders are no problem for them either. If they can get it for you, they will get it for you. That includes things like crawfish. Uh, this recipe is one that I love to make, especially around the holidays. It's a crawfish cornbread. Um, it's super, super delicious. And I think you would enjoy it. Uh, you're going to preheat your oven to 375 degrees, 9 by 13 inch bake dish. You're going to stir together cornmeal, baking soda, and some salt in a large bowl. And then another bowl, you're going to beat together your egg, your onion, green pepper, uh, pimentos, vegetable oil, cheddar cheese, your cream style corn, jalapeno, and your crawfish tails, along with some cayenne pepper, garlic powder, and seasoned salt. Now, if you don't have those, you can put in some Cajun seasoning, but I like this better. So there you go. Pour the crawfish mixture into the cornmeal mixture, stir it together, and then you're simply gonna pour that into a prepared bake dish. Bake it in your preheated oven until the cornbread is slightly golden brown and a toothpick inserted to the center comes out clean, about 55 minutes, and then you can allow it to rest for 10 minutes before you serve it. I will say it, it doesn't call for well, it, uh, it calls for a pound of peeled crawfish tails. So it's pretty meaty and yummy. And it is a delicious thing to serve up for the holidays. Check out the recipe by going to Facebook. Type in Janet's Five and Dying. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Go and check it out. And hey, don't forget, at FNL, you can place your orders now for Christmas hams and Christmas turkeys. If you want to do those for your employees, you can lock in those prices right now, but you need to call FNL and ask to speak with uh, Todd Ramsey. He will personally take care of that for you. And like I say, the seafood, that's no problem either. We also had a, a question earlier in the show for people who have shellfish allergies. What can they use in this recipe? You can use the artificial crab, which I think is Someone said it was Pollock. It's a it's a white fish that they make it into, but that would work well in this recipe too. We'll be back with more here on the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. The Morning Jam. You're listening to the Morning Jam. We're glad you are. A lot of people, especially in the Lynchburg area, feeling a little euphoric after yesterday's midterms and uh, the the way that the uh, Republicans really is going to change the face of city council there in Lynchburg. We were uh, very fortunate to be able to talk with some of them this morning, and that was a good thing. Uh, we've got some feel-good stories that we want to share with you because we always try to end that way. Uh, this story is pretty amazing. We love our first responders. Maryland firefighter Megan Warfield is just wired to help others. She's It's just ingrained in her. So when the 30-year-old pregnant woman was a passenger involved in a multi-car collision, she brushed aside her labor contractions to save a person trapped in their vehicle. She said she was initially out of her car just to help direct traffic, but when she saw the car was overturned, she started to climb in there, and then I was like, what are you doing? You're nine months pregnant. 
Uh, I ended up holding on to her to keep her in place because I wasn't sure of her injuries at the time. It was important to keep her calm. It was pretty traumatic. Uh, She said shortly after paramedics arrived to take over, Warfield, who had been on desk duty because of her pregnancy, decided that she was going to go on to John Hopkins University to get herself checked out. The accident had induced labor unknown to Warfield, and um, she ended up, you know, having her baby after that. And it was a little scary, but she managed to have that baby. So that's a good thing. We have a call. It's Alan. All right, Alan. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Hey, Janet. Hey, I just wanted to say uh, a lot of, I've noticed a lot of the elections are not even close to being over. And I hear the news clips and everything. It's like Fetterman won. Well, he hadn't been called. Um, none of these have been called. Uh, Fetterman was called. And it's, no, I don't think it was. Mm. I don't think that one's been called yet. But um, based on what I'm seeing, it has been. But some of them are too close to call for it. sure. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot left. Everybody's all down, and people texting me, oh, they're real. We, <coughs> we're going to be communists now and all of this. And I'm like, I don't know about oh, that. The election ain't even close to being over. Well, one thing I we mean, know we've for been sure communist the squad. Before. We had after. We had FDR as president. He was a communist. Woodrow Wilson was a crappy president. We've had crappy president. Well, I think the, the reason but people I, are discouraged I'm, is it wasn't the red wave they had hoped it was going to be. You know, they were hoping it well, was going to be. Well, I mean, we had a good more. I mean, I still think Herschel Walker is going to win this thing and pull it out. But um, I, I'm all for Trump next week. Um, and Megyn Kelly said something last night to Glenn Beck. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard runs with Trump or or uh, the governor of South Dakota, Christy Noem, or somebody like that. She didn't think she could. She said Trump probably couldn't lose if he would. See, I just think know, Trump needs woman. to go away. I think Trump hurt these midterms. I think he's part of the reason that we didn't uh, do as well. I don't think DeSantos. Have you seen all the stuff they did about Trump? If they do that to DeSantos. Well, I just feel like well, he's Trump not, is he's to Santos. Well, I know, but I mean, the Bush family is already moving in. Jeb Bush is all over that. Supposedly supposed to meet with him this week, and and the Bushes and Karl Rove actually went against Doctor Oz and Carrie Lake, and they were pouring money again to the Democrats. So <clears throat> I just I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing some. I still think Trump can do it. And Trump's going to come back next Tuesday, and I don't think DeSantos has got a chance against Trump. I really don't. Well, I I, I love DeSantis. Me. I would vote for DeSantis over uh Trump Oh, I do, day. too. I do, too, Janet. I, I like him, too, but, I mean, I'm not <clears> – <throat> I just don't think – I mean, his wife just got through with cancer. Does he really want to drag his family and his wife through all of this stuff that they're going to do to him in D.C. if he goes up there? I don't know. I don't know I, either. I, look at all the stuff they did to Trump. Well, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I, thanks for calling. I guess nope. maybe we'll know tomorrow. Thanks, Janet. All right. See you later. All right. Back to the phones. You're on the morning jam. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? Oh, nope. Don't hear him. Did I mess up? I don't know. Maybe. 
Maybe they can call back. We have a couple of minutes left. You can do that. So uh, Alan thinks everybody's jumping the gun. He thinks that there's probably some more wins out of, out there. I guess we'll know tomorrow for sure. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't think that that Trump's the answer. I think we learned from Trump. I think there's some things that we learned that we need to to remember moving uh, in the towards the future. But I don't think he's the the answer. Not now. But there you go. Uh, there is a house shaped like a shoe in Pennsylvania that's available for short stays. The unusual shoe shaped house was built in 1948. Say that three times fast. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe with so many children. The children don't come with it. Uh, it's now available for short-term accommodations. And uh, they announced in July that it's now available through Verbo. And they uh, it was built to promote a chain of shoe stores. And it's gone through multiple owners. It served as a honeymoon suite, an ice cream shop, and a tourist attraction. The house was renovated by the Browns. Its three bedrooms are filled with shoe memorabilia, has been dubbed the Shoelace Space, Instep Suite, and the Ankle Abode. They say they've tried to help preserve some of the original features, like the stained glass windows, in order to make sure that it lives on for many more years for people to enjoy. And if you ever say you're welcome, you'll get the boot. Ah, Two sixty nine per month. That seems a bit high, but... Whatever. There's all kinds of things that you can you can rent houseboats. I was at Smith Mountain Lake this weekend, and I went on their Christmas cruise on the Virginia Dare, and they were like, "Oh, we have these floating, vir- you know, VRBOs," and it sounded much more exciting. I than think it was. Um, I've seen a couple of like um, like baseball stadiums will rent out a room. Like I think the Blue Jays have done it before. A couple other places like they'll build like a room in the in the ballpark, hmm. that would be a that would be awesome for me. Okay, well maybe you could do that. I don't know. I don't know if I can afford it. The Frozen star off of Broadway, Patty Murin, she stars as Anna. She was serenading dogs at the Big Apple Circus at Lincoln Center. Shelter dogs can make people feel thrills and chills and amazement, and uh, the animal lovers who orchestrated a massive dog rescue event. At the Big Apple Circus in Lincoln Center, 40 adoptable dogs were introduced and celebrated under the big top, and they were serenaded by a Disney princess, the star of Anna, uh, Frozen, Anna, on the Broadway production. And uh, evidently, a lot of pups got adopted because of that. Awesome. That's pretty cool. I also saw where um, I love Enchanted, the movie Enchanted, I always Mm -hmm. think with Amy Adams. Apparently, there is a Disenchanted that's coming out now. Yeah, I think that I've seen she's that. in. I want to see it. Janet, bad news for me. Bad news for you? I didn't win the $2 billion lottery. Someone uh, in California did. Are you shocked? No, but... Was it just one winner? One winner in Southern oh, wow. California won $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot. Wow, bet they're not at work this morning. Probably not. So, Hey, tomorrow is Thursday, and that means we're going to have uh, Marco Galbraith in. He's going to join us Thursday and Friday of this week. Looking forward to that. So we'll see you then. In the meantime, enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll be back. Thanks so much for joining us on the Virginia Talk Radio Network here 
on WIQO. And don't forget, you can go to thelynchburgportal.com and you can download us, take us with you anywhere.